Hey guys, welcome back to Vertical Momentum. I'm your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, you're going to want to make sure you smash that subscribe button. Make sure you smash that notification button because you're not going to get the information anywhere else on the internet but here of the stuff that we're going to be talking about with my friend Keith. We're going to be dropping some, he's dropping some knowledge on NLP, um, how to reprogram your brain, how to master your mind. Now, he's a best-selling author, keynote speaker. He does it all. He's the Swiss Army knife of mindset. Keith, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? Thank you, Ajahn. I'm, I'm, I'm loving that, that uh, Swiss Army knife of mindset. I might steal that. I love that. <laughs> I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm doing great, and I'm, I'm so blessed to be able to hang out with you and talk to you today um, because I love the subject of mindset, but before we even get started, um, because we all know that since COVID happened, a lot of things have changed, businesses have changed. Um, so what is your definition of resiliency? Resiliency, good question. And you're right, uh, we, we've seen massive changes over the past couple of years with the, with the global pandemic and the, and the lockdowns and, and lots of forced change. Um, a key thing though is what so many people um, tend not to realize is we're always changing. Change is constant. It's, it's the only constant in, in life. It's change. Um, I remember toward the end of the first round of, of lockdowns and, and so on, people say, oh, cool. When, when are things going to go back to normal? That's the point. Normal is, is always changing. It's just usually it's more little steps. Here we had a massive, massive change. Um, but we never go back. We're always moving forwards. Things are always changing. Even ourselves, our bodies, our mind, everything is constantly changing. And to me, resiliency is, is the ability to keep up with those changes and to adapt to whatever these new changes bring us. That Yes, sometimes they'll bring benefits. Sometimes they'll bring um, uh, challenges. They'll bring, bring problems. But when you've got resiliency, you're able to, to to accept all of those and just handle them in your own in your own way, moving forward with the change, keeping going, and not not getting uh, I won't say not getting knocked down. You'll get knocked down from time to time, but with resiliency, you get knocked down, you get back up again. Yeah, maybe it hurts, maybe things have changed, but you keep going and you adapt so that you fit in with these new conditions rather than trying to be living life like it was four years ago when everybody else is living life like, like it is now. Okay. So now on, now, cause on, on, you know, on your side of the pond, a lot of things have changed over the last five, six years, including mm -hmm. Brexit. And then of course we just lost the queen. So you're talking about big changes and not only, um, you know, dealing with COVID. So you guys have a lot of different changes so how do people, you know, on that side of the pond, how do they deal with, you know, the change? Because a lot of people here, a lot of people don't want to change until they're forced to change. Is it the same way there? Uh, yeah, I, I, I would say that's, that's probably pretty much true for, for most people in, in most, most countries and probably in, mo in most cultures. We, we often uh, do what we can to avoid change because change can be uncomfortable. We're going from uh situations that we know into a situation that's that's new and we don't know how to react we don't know how to act in it um and it, it's often it's that that 
um, fear of change that, that holds us back. And it's not, uh, and that even holds us back in achieving things that, that we might want to achieve. I mean, somebody might want to leave their job and set up, set up their own business, become an entrepreneur after, after doing the nine to five for, for, for a long time. And they might really dream about that and really want to do that. And I've seen this happen with a lot of people here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a wild stab in the dark and assume it's, it's the same across the pond on, on your side as well. People, they, they want to do this, but they never quite get around to doing it. Never quite get around to doing it because, and they'll often say, Oh, I'm, I'm scared of making the change. But the, where the fear comes in with, with this change is that, uh, wherever we are, even though it might be a bit, yeah, it might be a bit sucky, might be a bit unpleasant. At least we know how to deal with it. We know how to, we know what's going to happen and we know how to react. But when we make that change and we leave the comfort of, of the job, even if we don't particularly like the job, we leave that comfort and step out into this new world. It's exciting, but it's also like, oh my word, what, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, I'm facing all new things. And that's kind of what holds us back. That said, as you said, we, we've had massive changes over, over the past few years. Um, We've all had the, the pandemic, the lockdown. As you say here, we've had massive uh, economic and uh, social upheaval with, with Brexit. And then, as you say, we, we, we lost the Queen um, last month. I, um, I believe it was, it was worked out mo the majority of people in the UK have never, had never known life without the Queen because she's older than, than most of us. So that, that in itself, even though it's somebody who doesn't affect our day to day life, it's just, one of those concepts is someone who's who's always been there since before we were born, just always there. All of a sudden, wow, huh, gone. So we've had all of these changes kind of thrown upon us, which has uh, really shaken things around, stirred things up a lot. So a lot of people are now facing change, even though they might want might want to resist change, might not not want to change. We're having to change because everything has changed around. And people are adapting that. Even things like um, there's a lot more working from home and a lot more hybrid working nowadays. Um, I mean, I, I remember when I when growing up in, uh, you know, when I was younger, growing up in the seventies and eighties, they were talking about how how uh, these newfangled computer things were going to revolutionise life. We're going to have so much more time when we'd be at home and uh, talking to each other over computers and so on, working remotely. It never kind of happened. And then the pandemic kicked in, lockdown kicked in, all of a sudden companies were going, oh, okay, well, yes, you can work from home now. It, it, it took that massive thing for us to suddenly go, huh, okay, this technology has been around for about 15 years, we can use it. And that's, that's uh, made a big change. Now, some companies have gone back to, you've all got to come back into the office again because we're spending all this money on expensive buildings. Some companies, I mean, I, knew of, I know of one company who over a year ago, they made the calculation that uh, they went ahead, sold their building, they have everybody working from home, and every month uh, they hire out a hotel for two days, they bring everybody to the hotel, have the staff meeting, all the meetings and so on, and then they have, uh, have a party basically, socializing uh, for, for the evening and for the next day. And it's cheaper than for them to do that than it was to, to keep the office building. Something they would never have thought of but given changes of force upon them, they had the, res the resiliency to go, okay, this is how things are now. What can we do to make this work? Well, how can we really make this work for us and for our employees as well? Because increasingly, employees are sort of going, 
you know what, I don't want to go back to how all that, that old stuff was. I don't want to spend an hour and a half commuting each way when I can work from home and, and get just as much stuff done and have three more hours of, of, of my life for me and, and my family. Yeah. Okay, so now you said a word because um, I lost my vision two years ago and I'm, I'm, I'm back to getting my vision back, but my hearing got a lot better. Um, but <laughs> listen for keywords. And before we even got on, we were talking about how I took a deep dive into mindset. Um, everybody knows about Napoleon Hills, you know, think and grow rich. But, you know, who did he learn from? So I went back and read, you know, read the bio- autobiography of Mr. Dale Carnegie and talking about mindset. And one thing you said is the word thought, because I believe, you know, even in the book, it says think and grow rich, not work and grow rich, not hustle and grow rich, think and grow rich. Because even in the Bible, I'm I'm a Christian, I believe in the Bible that even anything, even whether good or bad, it starts in the mind. Mm. Whether, whatever it is in your life, whether it's a good, you know, a good outcome or a bad outcome, it all starts in the mind. It all starts with our thoughts. And a lot of us, I believe, if we can master the man or female in the mirror, we can master wor- the world. So talk to us a little bit about what you do, uh, where you came from, and how did you get into doing what you do? Sure. Um, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. Thought is what kicks off, kicks everything off. I mean, without, without thought, we don't then plan how to do things. We don't then do things. Everything that's happened is either because we've thought it or somebody else thought it. And we, we do kind of think things into existence. I, I don't mean we sort of sit down and think and all of a sudden the thing appears. Be cool if that happened. It would also be quite disruptive, I imagine. But uh, we, we think something. Oh, I would love to do X, Y, and Z. Or, hey, I'd love to know where Napoleon Hill got his ideas from. That was your thought. And you then went and, and found out where he got them from. And then find out more about uh, Dale Carnegie, etc. None of that would have happened if you hadn't had the thought, where did he get the ideas from? So yeah, thought is the, is what uh, triggers everything that they, that we do. Um, what do I do? I help, uh, I help people, the, the way I say it is I help people to create the freedom to be, do and have what they most want. Uh, usually, that's in the form of helping people get rid of fears or phobias or get rid of conquer bad habits, unhelpful habits, overeating, smoking, not working out when they know they, they really want to, but they just keep finding excuses not to, or even those um, mental blocks. I mean, we, we spoke earlier about a number of people who they're in, in a boring job. They would love to step out and be an entrepreneur, but oh, I'd love to do that. But, oh, you know, people like me. We could never succeed in something like that. I, I don't have what it takes. We, 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 can, we can all develop what it takes to, to do the things we want to do, but so often we have these uh, blocks in our mind holding us back because it's things that we've learned in the past. We've either learned when we were growing up or we've learned through experience in, in, in later part of life. And I say we've learned, but so often we don't actually learn the right lessons for, for, for want of a better word. I mean, as, as humans, we decide things have meanings. Something happens, we decide it has a particular meaning. 
And this is an evolutionary um, survival tool mechanism from, from way, way back when. Um, we had to decide what things meant and then decide whether it was a, a threat to us or not. And if it was a threat, get out of there before the whatever it was came, in, came to eat us. We've evolved. We're now much higher up the food chain. We've got all these tools. We've got, we've got all the things we have in modern life. But the mind hasn't quite kind of evolved to, to, to catch up, to catch up with that. So we still in many respects have the mind of the caveman for whom the whole world is, is a threat. And we, we learn all these things by either observing others or something happens to us, a painful lesson, and we decide that means, means something. I mean, for example, suppose, suppose we have a, a, a car crash, we decide, unconsciously, we decide that means all oh, cars are dangerous and I'm not gonna get in one because I might have another crash. Which is an unhelpful lesson because it's it, not, what, not, not what it meant, but, we learn that thing and our mind then kind of blocks that whole thing out. No, that's dangerous. We're not going to do that. Or we, we took a risk once with, uh, with attempting to do something with business. We took a risk. It, it didn't pay off. We decide that means we're not, we're not geared up. We're not the kind of person who could make a success in business because we failed once. I mean, everybody fails. Everybody fails. I'll start talking about that real quick because, yeah. you know, I was thinking of this earlier as I'm, I, cause I do my cardio and I, I listen to an hour and a half on, on audible and I'm listening to think and grow rich again. And, but one thing that got me thinking is that if you get a hundred kids in the classroom and you ask him what you're going to be when you go up, there's no limits. Yeah. You know, they, they, they astronauts, president, King, queen, um, you never see him. Oh, I'm going to, you know, it's hardly ever see a kid say, you know what? I, I want to end up being a garbage man or mm -hmm. I want being in a cubicle somewhere, yeah. but it's because yeah. we put limits on our children on yeah. for their mindsets where if we, you know, if my kid says, I want to be a professional soccer player. Okay. Let's go for it. What do we got to do to get there? Instead of just yes. saying, Oh, you can't do that. Nobody in our family's ever done that. Right. So true, so true. Uh, we, we we kind of hold our kids back. Not only do we we um, kind of uh, shatter their dreams and so on, but we actually teach them to then shatter their own dreams repeatedly as 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 they grow up. All these things really hold us back. Um, you mentioned there about uh, kids when when they're young, what what they dream of when they when they uh, what they want to be when they grow up. When I was when I was really young, when I was younger, so like early teens or whatever. There were, there were three things I, I really wanted to be when I grew up. I either wanted to be uh, a performer, a singer or an actor, or I wanted to be a hypnotist because I was obsessed and fascinated with hypnosis at that time, or I wanted to be an author. And <clears throat> growing up, growing up, it's like, well, I could never achieve any of those things. I, mean, I used to be incredibly painfully shy, so there was no way I could be a performer. Hypnosis, I have no idea where to find that, but anything about that. Being an author, oh, it's, you, you've got to be really lucky for somebody to, to pick up your book. That's what we were always told. So all three of those went out the window. And then um, went to university, studied computer microprocessor engineering, and ended up having a, a, a success, a very successful career in IT, which is really different. But that kind of fitted, 
I, by that point, I'd kind of grown up thinking, oh, I'm, I'm shy, I hate speaking, I'm terrified of speaking with strangers, I can't do anything where I've got to speak with lots of people. IT is brilliant for that, because you do all behind the keyboard. So um, all those dreams had kind of got, got squashed because people had told me you can't do those things. I told me that I couldn't do those things. Um, I had my career in IT, did, uh, quite successful in, in, in Korea, but uh, in, an, in a career, uh, the more you rise up, the more you reach the point where it's it's who you know rather than what you know that gets you in the job. And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying there's anything bad with that. I mean, obviously, if you're recruiting for somebody at a sufficiently high level, I, I was responsible for million-dollar budgets. I had staff working in three continents uh, for me. So I was looking after some high, high stuff for a company. For another company to go, we need somebody at this position, they're not going to just take random people. They're going to want to know that this is somebody they can they can trust. So it's through your connections that you get the higher-up uh, roles. And that's absolutely uh, totally understandable. But I was so painfully shy, I couldn't I couldn't go to seminars and, and workshops and connect with people because I was just terrified of the thought of speaking with them. So my career kind of plateaued. And then um, one day I ended up going to a Christmas party with a group of people who I knew from the internet but had never actually met in real life. And I thought, oh, how hard can it be? I know them from talking behind the computer screen. It's going to be easy. I turned up there and found out exactly how hard it could be. It was walking into a room full of strangers, which at that point was probably my biggest fear. Um, I ended up having a panic attack. I fled. And that was the point. I still remember it clearly. That was over a decade ago. I still remember clearly as I was fleeing the place thinking, you can't go through life like this. You cannot go on like this anymore. What's life going to be like if you don't change? It's going to suck. And I ended up going on a... Um, a personal development seminar, a friend pretty much dragged me along to a weekend personal development seminar. Very nearly didn't go to that because it was full of strangers, but my friend said, I'll be with you, I'll wait, you promise? Yeah, okay. Went to it, found it um, really interesting, found it, um, it was start already starting to, to make changes, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to learn all this stuff, use it to sort me out, and then progress my IT career. And it was one of those seminars where seminars free and they make their money by selling you their courses and their trainings at the, at the end of it, which is fair enough. And I decided I was going to take it. So I, me being me, I signed up the entire pack. I thought, if I'm going to go for it, I'm going to go all in. So I signed up to learn trainings in hypnosis, NLP, um, coaching, also how to become a speaker and even become a trainer of all of these things. Thinking, well, I'll learn the whole lot and then go back to IT. Went through it all. Found I was really enjoying it. Reached the point where I was thinking, you know what, it would be lovely to do this as a career, but I got the high paying IT job, I got the outgoing job with it, I couldn't afford to take the pay cut and take the risk. There's more of that limiting self belief, limiting self talking, and oh, people like me can't do that. Oh, what if all goes wrong? <laughs> and then, magnificent stroke of luck, my position was made redundant. Basically, my boss called me into the office and said, here's a wheelbarrow full of cash, never come back. That was the point when I went, if ever I was looking for a sign, <laughs> this, is, this is it. And um, so I moved full-time into coaching. That was back in uh, 2010, I think it was. And um, <clears throat> so I've been doing this ever since. I initially started uh, helping people with fears and phobias because that had been my journey. And the more I've looked into it, the more I've helped people, the more I've kind of 
um, develop this whole mindset mastery approach to, to helping people to conquer those blocks that are holding them back. Basically, the sorts of things that it would have been awesome if I'd found 30 years earlier. I would have had a, a very different career. But that's what I That's how I got into what I do now, purely by chance. And the really cool thing is, remember I said when I was when I was young, I wanted to either be a hypnotist. Well, I'm not a hypnotist. I, I train others, other people to be hypnotists. Or I wanted to be an author. I've written written and published books. Or I wanted to be a performer. Um, I do sometimes do hypnosis, magic stage shows, just because it's fun. It's more like a hobby and just, just a fun outlet. And I also take part in uh, local theatre from time to time as well. So I okay, to you all the three things I wanted to be when I was growing up, purely by chance. But it's, it's amazing how once we get rid of those things which we've allowed ourselves to believe can stop us from achieving what we want to achieve, once we get rid of those, once we, we change them and realize the truth that we can be, do and have what we, we most want, it's amazing how um, it kind of falls into place at that point when you take those out. And that's why I love helping people because seeing them remove that blockage that they've had and seeing them really go for it and, and just being so happy that they can do what they've always wanted to do. You know, and I love that. So I, I want to dive a little bit deeper into that. But first, I want to thank our sponsor. Um, as you guys know, I'm a ninth grade dropout, um, but I've read over 6,000 books and I always wanted to become an author, but everybody would say, well, you didn't even finish high school. So how can you write a book? Um, our book, it's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light, actually hit number one twice on Amazon in, um, in addiction and recovery circles. So if you guys are actually looking to find an amazing book that teaches you about addiction, recovery, but it also talks, the last two chapters are, what does depression look like? It's not what you think it looks like. And the last chapter is, what does addiction look like? It's not what you think it looks like. So it's also a teaching book, but the best part of it is 100% of the proceeds go to help veterans struggling with PTSD and homelessness. So I don't make any money off of it. So if you guys are interested in checking out the book, Write book down below. Also, if you guys are interested in having your show, your own show, uh, Streamyard, is, Streamyard is sponsoring today's show. They're actually going to throw you some cash to start your own show. So you can't you can't lose by doing that. So uh, I just want to thank our sponsors. Without you guys, I can't do it. So my question is, now we're going to talk about... Um, you know, just, just before you ask your question, I've got a quick question for you, Richard. What was the name of your book? I didn't catch that. Oh, it's called A Hero's Journey. From Hero's darkness, Journey. From Darkness to Light. From Darkness to Light. Awesome. But now, a lot of people, you know, we we're talking about NLP. Um, I find that some of the top performers, whether it's sports, whether it's being an athlete, whether it's being an author, performer, they go somewhere different when they're on the field, when they're on the stage, um, they become somebody different. Like for me, I know at home, I'm quiet, I'm reserved, but you get me on the stage, you get me in front of people, I'm animated, I can go to another, I go somewhere else. Yeah. And, and I think, and I guess it's all part of the compartmentalizing. So talk to us about, you know, reprogramming 
your brain, instead of saying, you know, well, you don't know how to talk to people, uh, you know, you can actually reprogram using NLP. And I want you to break that down for us. You can actually reprogram your mind into into the, the way you talk about things. So talk, break it down, break down NLP a little bit for the simple people like me. Not a problem, not a problem. So NLP, it stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. Let's face it, you've got to have fancy names for things, right? <laughs> so it's a Neuro Linguistic Programming, NLP. And it was, a, uh, it was created by Richard Bandler and John Grinder back in the uh, back in the 70s they um uh, they first created it. what they started with and often people think they have an idea of what nlp is but what they're actually going <clears throat> be looking at are the tools which nlp has has been used to create nlp originally started with basically them asking questions how do the best people how do the people who are at the, the top of their uh, their profession how do they do what they do? The, uh, like Mark, the top marksman, how do they do it? Because obviously they must do things differently from mediocre marksmen. What is it? How do they do that? And it was breaking it down, breaking it down. Uh, so NLP, it, it kind of, they started off sort of modeling how, how people work, how people do things. It's kind of like if you had, had a, gorgeous cake and I think well how do you do that the best way to find out is go to the to the the baker who created that cake and ask them so how do you create it what do you do what are all the things that you have to do what are the steps you have to do them in you then create a recipe you follow that same recipe and you get well not quite the same cake, but you get something close to it because uh, uh, obviously you need your your skill as well to to really um get it to work but it, it's it's having that recipe would let you go well on the way to creating it and that, that's what nlp let them do is come up with the recipe for for how these these um performers were at the top of their game and from this they also studied the likes of uh, virginia satir uh, milton erickson various people who were um right at the top of their game in um in the field of of, of helping people um, family therapy, uh, Milton Erickson, the famous uh, American hip hypnotherapist, he pretty much single-handedly got hypnosis from being like a, a sideshow, freak show thing, to being an accepted part of, uh, of me uh, medical practice. And they studied how these people did their stuff, worked out how they did it, <clears throat> modeled it all, and from that, We've got a huge suite of tools, which are now what most people think of when they talk about NLP. It's they, we've got these recipes for how to, how to work with the mind, how to work with people, how to help people make change deep at the unconscious level. And that's what NLP is these days. It's, it's basically, it's, think of it as just a big toolkit, big toolkit of, of tools and, and techniques you can use to help people reprogram the mind. So, how on earth can we reprogram the mind? The mind, we've got, uh, you can think of it as two components of the mind. We've got the conscious mind and the unconscious mind. The conscious, that's a part that, that's your awareness, for want of a better word. Uh, you're aware of when, when you're thinking great thoughts, when you're thinking about things and you're aware that you're thinking about them or you're aware you're doing things, that's your conscious, that's your conscious mind. 
Underneath that, we've got the bulk of our mind, which is the unconscious mind. And that, that kind of runs everything. Because when we're walking, we don't think about moving all the muscle groups and think about balancing. Our unconscious uh, knows how to walk. It, help, it lets us walk. It helps us to walk. Same when we, we do anything. We kind of do it almost on autopilot, as it were. And that's our unconscious running it. Now, our unconscious has sets of rules, instructions, programs, whatever you want to call it. When you need to walk, it runs this, it runs this program that's all about how to how to walk because it doesn't work things out from first principles each time that would get really tiresome if you had to learn to walk every morning when you got up we'd never get anywhere so it's got these these all these rule books or you could think of it as software on your on your computer or programs whatever you want to call it which is kind of built up as it as it's learned as, as we've been going through life and sometimes we learn things in a really efficient way sometimes Sometimes we may learn things in an inefficient or ineffective or even unhelpful way. Um, <clears throat> we might learn that when we see a spider, we should freak out because that's what our parent did when we saw them when we were a toddler. They did it every time. So we know when I see a spider, I freak out. We've just learned how to have a spider phobia, which is not the most helpful uh, response to, to a spider. But every time we see a spider, our unconscious mind goes, well, oh, yeah, that's what we do. Freak out, panic, scream. OK, we can do that. Ah! When with uh, things like NLP and all that with with hypnosis, um, what you do is you're actually reprogramming the unconscious mind. You're, you're changing the, the the rule book, as it were, upgrading the software, whatever you want to call it, changing the associations that it has, changing the the, the rules and the, the instructions on on how to how to react, so that in, next time instead of seeing a spider and freaking out, you might see a spider and go, oh, spider and carry on with your day how on earth can we do this why does it why does it even work one of the really important things is to do with the way memory works here's a little a little um interesting nugget for you you might find it interesting some people some people find it scary when they first first discover this when you remember something you're not actually remembering it so if you think back to a favorite, a favorite holiday that you had, a favorite vacation you had, for example, and you remember that vacation, you remember the bits you really enjoyed about that, you're not actually remembering that vacation. What you're remembering is the last time that you remembered that vacation. Because when we, the act of um, remembering a memory actually destroys that memory the way memories are all stored in our in our in our mind it's it's the chemicals the electron charge all that sort of thing in there in order to get that memory it basically destroys that it's like if you have a piece of cake in order to taste it you have to eat it at which point you've destroyed that piece of cake so when we remember something we destroy the memory which is a bit of a problem fortunately our brain has a great way to handle this it records us remembering the memory. So when, when you remember you remembered your vacation this time, your brain recorded you remembering that, that vacation. So next time you want to remember it, it will play back that recording of you remembering the last time you, you remembered it. So that's that's how we keep memories going on. We, we keep them going on, which is brilliant. Problem is, when we do that, 
if there's things of significance going on at the same time as we're remembering that thing and creating a new version of that memory, sometimes those also seep into it. It would be as if, as if you're at the movies, you're watching the watching the film by recording it on your on your on your camcorder or your phone or whatever. Somebody in front of you gets up and walks past. You see them walking past. They're now part of the movie. So next time you play it back, you see this audience person walking past. So when we remember, when we record the memory of us remembering the memory, as it were, if the significant things happening at that time, they also kind of seep into that that new recording. You know, I, I kind of, I, I kind of agree because I remember like when I was coming up, I'm, I'm, I just turned, I'll be 54 coming up, but we used to listen to something called a record, and I remember those. <laughs> and and <clears throat> one record that I listened to, it skipped at one part of a song. Now every time I listen to the, hear the song on the radio, I'm listening for the skip. Listening for the skip, yeah, <laughs> so yeah absolutely. Yeah. So our, our memory, uh, each time we remember something, it destroys the memory. We record, a, a rem we record a memory of us remembering the memory, which means memories can change, which is why um, in courts, eyewitness testimony is considered the least reliable form of testimony because it's so easy for eyewitness testimony for what people remember. It's so easy for that to get changed deliberately or accidentally um, asking asking questions in slightly the wrong way can cause somebody to remember what you've just suggested as being part of that memory um, like, uh, if, if if a car had, had, had jumped the light so what was it a blue car that jumped that light oh, yeah 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 it was blue even though it might not have been because the way you ask the question they're now thinking yeah it was blue oh, yeah yeah it was definitely a blue light then our uh, blue car, they're now definitely convinced it was a blue car that, that jumped light, even though it might not have been. All of this is going somewhere, trust me on this. <laughs> so memories are, uh, memory is fragile. Memory, every time we, rem we remember it, we destroy the memory, we create a new, new memory of us remembering the memory, which we can actually use to our advantage. And that's kind of what happens a lot of the times with things like hypnosis and NLP. In, in many, many of the, the, the ways it works, not all always, there are different, uh, lots of different tools, but one of the key things is take, take that spider, for example. If we see a spider, we freak out. We remember that we saw a spider and freaked out. So next time we see it, we remember seeing a spider, we remember we freak out, so we do the freak out and we record that. Our memory is that's what we need to do. If we remember, think of a spider and at the same time, Think of something in a really absurd way that, that gets us just laughing out loud. And we repeat doing this over and over and over again in a very short period of time. What happens is the memory, the recording of the memory gets, gets kind of scrambled. Because when we remember a memory, we don't just remember what we see. We remember what we hear, maybe what we smelt or tasted. We remember what we feel, the emotions. That's a key part of it as well. So if we if we do this and scramble what, what's going on and do this set meant several times in a row, we reach the point where thinking of a spider brings that back a memory of something absurd and quite quite funny. So we see a spider and our mind just goes, <laughs> 
we've now forgotten that we were supposed to be scared of it. We've forgotten that we do fear. We're now just going, oh, look, it's a spider. Oh, yeah, Blamange. <laughs> Weird. And uh, that old fear has now gone. Gone completely because the memory has been sufficiently changed. That's a, a really trivial, trivial example, um, but it kind of gets gets the overall concept. So, same for any any stuff that we have. A lot of things we have are um, beliefs. Um, I, I'm not talking about spiritual or religious or moral beliefs. I'm talking about beliefs like I could never do that. I mean, any time I try, any time I try to set up a business, it always fails. If we have that belief. That's because something happened at some point which taught us that belief. So that whenever we think about setting up a business, our mind replays that memory or it re-replays the recording of us remembering that memory of us of, of what happened. And we go, uh, yeah, we'll fail. If we can change the associations with that memory, change the emotions around it, change our feelings around it, Next time we think about setting up a business, instead of thinking, yeah, it's no point, fail, we maybe get excited or maybe get, oh, actually, you know, I'm, I'm feeling successful because we've, we've associated successful memories with it as well. So that has changed our, our limiting belief of, now I could never run a business to, maybe I could. Okay, so then I want to talk about that a second, you know, because yeah. um, there was a time when, you know, nobody believed that anybody could run a four-minute mile. Mm. And then when Roger Bannister ran the four-minute mile, within the next two weeks, hundreds of people were running the four-minute mile just because somebody else did it. But I think nowadays with this little box that we have that I'm talking in right now, um, you sh everything should be wide open. You know, mm. like if a lot of people say, well, I don't – I don't, you know, I who I don't know any friends that are business. I don't, I don't know anybody that's a business owner. Well, for fifteen bucks a month, you can find out everything you wanted to know about Dale Carnegie or you know any of these other people if you just take the time and start studying, like you said, start studying what the people that are successful do because success leaves clues. But like they say, you'll never see a turkey flying with an eagle. So yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you need to get away from the people that are around you and get to, and listen, start hanging around or listening to people because your brain doesn't know the difference whether they're there in person or not. Mm -hmm. But maybe you need to start upgrading your circle to start thinking like the successful people do, right? Yeah, as uh, a few bits to, to unpack there. It's interesting you have the uh, Sir Roger Bannister four-minute mile example. That's something we hear a lot, and that's actually a great example of what I was talking about earlier about memory uh, be becoming corrupted. We so often hear that because we hear other people saying, oh, when no thought the four-minute mile could be beaten, then Roger Bannister beat it, then within the next weeks, lots of people beat it. When you actually look at what happened, Yes, people thought, thought it wasn't possible. He he beat the four-minute mile. Others have done it, but it did take a lot longer. Uh, it was, I can't remember how long it was now, but it was, it was a, a reasonable amount of time before the next person did it. And it, it gradually more and more people did it. But over time, we, we've, we've, we've heard people say, oh, yeah, lots of people did, lots of people. So we, we kind of remember that this, this kind of mis, misattributed, fact um the basics is 
uh, still absolutely true. Prior to him running it, it was, it was kind of thought, four minute mile, ooh, that's, nah, can't be done. He did it, that changed people's mindset. They're going, oh, it can be done. And so more people were then pushing harder to be able to do it. Um, which, which is uh, an impo important, which is probably the most important part of that lesson was the, the change of what one person thought, I can beat that four minute mile. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, I thought, and did what it took and was able to do it. And from that, other people were then going, oh, it is possible. Oh, let's, let's also have a go. So more and more people then did what they needed to do and were over time able to start beating that. And as we know, these days, a four minute mile is, is yeah, it's still a difficult thing to do, but it, it's much, much, much more commonplace in, 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 in athletics. Um, and yes, you're, you're right. Um, an eagle won't fly with, with, with Turkey. Uh, we, we need to surround ourselves with, with the kind of people who, the kind of people who have the sorts of mindset that enable them to do the kinds of things that we want to do. And also the sorts of people who have done the things that we want to do. It's, it's cool if you can hang out with them physically and literally hang out with them and, and chat with them, which is, um, why, um, Warren Buffett, when he wanted to really, really, really uh, study um, economics and finance and so on, he spent ages trying to get free internship with one particular person, kept turning him down, kept turning him down. He kept on time and time and time again, kept badgering them until eventually they said, oh, right, oh, yes, okay, come on then. He then learned everything he could from them. And that's what turned him into, or what helped turn him into the financial uh, wizard that, 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 he, that he became, the investment wizard that he became, because he wanted to immerse himself in, in that field. And it's great if you can do that in person. But as you say, even if you can't, there are so many other ways you can do it. Books, I mean, you, you've mentioned Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Dale Carnegie's um, How to Win Friends and Influence mm -hmm. People loads and loads of books around. We've got the internet. We can access so much of this stuff at uh, no cost. So much is given away free. Absorb it, learn it. A key point though to remember is everyone is different. We're all different. What works for one person won't necessarily work for another. We're often, uh, I hate this when you see them, you see someone saying, give me whatever money and I will give you my box ticking blueprint of exactly how I built my business so that you can build your site. Yes, it's great that you're giving me the exact steps you took. But if I just follow those exact steps, I'm going to create a successful business the way you did. In fact, if you were to start from nothing, start from scratch right now and follow those exact same steps, you would build the same kind of successful business as you built before, because things are different, the environment's different, everything's different. So we can't just follow the steps, cookie cutter approach, and get the results. However, what we can do is study it, learn deep, and learn not, it's not so important what are the steps that you took to create that business. What is much more important is why did you take those steps? What happened that caused you to decide that was the best course of action to take. Because once you understand not what they did, but why they did it, what was the thought processes going on behind what they did that made them choose that path? Once you, once you get that, then you have a much, much 
greater chance of success because now you're not just following some directions they put on the map, you're learning how they navigated. So when that bridge is out, for example, you understand how to navigate and find a different way to cross that ravine. Uh, and as you say, it comes from surrounding yourself with, with like-minded people, reading, reading the, uh, reading the books from all these people, studying their autobiographies are also a great way to, no. to learn how they think, how they, where they came from, what influenced them. So you can always put yourself into that, into that, that same mind, kind of step into mind. Huh. My investments are tanking. What would Warren Buffett do? Uh, or you you want to set up your business? Oh, I'm getting comp I'm getting hammered from the competition of playing dirty tricks. What would Richard Branson do in this case? And that's that's where the the, the, the true power comes in. Not necessarily following the steps, but digging deep and getting an understanding of why they chose to make those steps. What was the decision behind the decision? So that when you understand that process, you are then far better equipped to be able to handle what, whatever's coming up. Yep. And, but also back then, you know, they talk about, you know, how important masterminds are. Mm. You know, they, they that was something they he said if it was one thing that really put hit them on the <clears throat> in the early 1900s, the most successful people, whether it was steel, coal, whatever it was. They they were in they had masterminds. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think master I have a mastermind that I'm part of once a week. We all meet, we're all business owners, we're all veterans. But I think if I didn't have a mastermind, um, I wouldn't be where I'm at today because sometimes you just need to hear you can hear the same thing from five different people, and then the one person says something different and it finally clicks, and you're like, Yeah, I get it. But a Absolutely. lot of people, you know, they don't want to invest in time. They don't want to invest in books. They they think, you know, success is I take a magical pill and then <laughs> or, you yeah. know, to invest in, you know, like I said if you want to be great at any one thing, you have to put 10,000 hours in. Mm. You know, so but I think also besides books, um, I think masterminds are so important. What are your thoughts? I, I couldn't agree more. Masterminds, when you get a good mastermind with a good, a good, um, a good team in the, in the mastermind, it is so powerful because, I mean, suppose you've got a mastermind of group of, uh, say, six people. Now, instead of just you trying to figure out the problem, you've got six brains all looking at it from different angles, from their own perspectives, with their own experiences, their own different ways of analyzing problems. You, get a much greater chance to, to come up with um, solutions to problems. Also, when you're helping somebody else analyze their problems and, and come up with solutions for theirs, your mind doesn't go, oh, this this is this is purely stuff that's relevant to Richard's business. Absolutely none of this is relevant to my business. I'll ignore it completely. You'll, you'll be going, hey, Richard, so you've got this problem. Oh, we solved your problem. And at some point, you might say, ooh, hang on. I could do that with mine as well, you know. So you get all that cross-pollination of ideas and, and strategies and approaches. Um, and as you say, sometimes we need to hear the same thing several times before it, it sinks in. Not because we're ignoring it, but because each time we hear it, our mind is changing slightly. It's processing it slightly differently. It, it's building it up in, 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 in layers until suddenly there's just enough to, to just tip us over. 
Um, some, sometimes you'll get that. I don't know if you've you've come across this. I know I have with, with, with friends. They've got a problem. They come to you with a problem, and you discuss and suggest a solution to them. They're like, yeah, no, that couldn't work because da-da-da-da-da. You're like, okay, on you go then. A few weeks later, they come back to you, and you go, yeah, how are you getting on with that? I solved it. You know, I figured out what I have to do is dot, dot, dot. And you're thinking, that's exactly what I told you you had to do. <laughs> but when you told them, they were, their mind wasn't quite in the right place to be able to see how it all fit together. But it did get the cogs whirring until eventually they were going, ah, oh, now I see it. And they, they happen upon the same thing. That, will ha- that can happen with masterminds. It's the same with reading books. I mean, don't just read one book on the topic. Read several different books because you'll get different people's perspectives on it. Sometimes even reading the same book uh, um, multiple times, not necessarily read it over and over and over again to the exclusion of everything else, but come back to that same same book uh, a few months or a year uh, a year down the line. Because remember we spoke very early on about change is constant. Situations are changing. We're changing. Our mind's changing. Everything's going on is changing. When we read the book a second time, we're not the same person as we were when we read it the first time. Mm-hmm. We've got new perspective, new experience. Some of that stuff that we may have read first time, we picked up and has changed our perspectives on things so that when we read it again, we're looking at it from a fresh perspective and now something else jumps out. It's, it's kind of like sometimes, you know, some, uh, you, know you, you get a, a good film when you can watch that same film yeah. multiple times. And you always get something different out of it each time. You spot something you didn't see last time. Okay, so now that's something I want to hit on real quick. Um, because yeah. one thing I've become obsessed about <laughs> is the reticulator activating system in the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because I tell everybody, you know, you can change your life and at, at any moment. I mean, it's going to take a while, but you can change your life. And, and they say, well... How do you do? Your brain is kind of like your Facebook feed. If you go through your Facebook feed for 30 days and just put put positive, 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 heart everything that's positive and let everything negative go, eventually all you're going to see is positive in your Facebook feed. Mm-hmm. Same yeah. thing in the mind. And I said, yep. you know, it's kind of like, Oh man, I, I loved when I bought my Dodge Ram, my silver Dodge Ram truck. I loved it. But then when I drove it off the lot, everybody had a silver Dodge Ram. Yes. <laughs> a lot of it, you know, because of the reticulator activating system, a lot of it, when you start focusing on either success or failure, that's what you're going to find. Yep. Absolutely. So a little bit about the RAS. Go ahead. So, um, our uh, our mind is constantly bombarded with loads of information. I read one figure, they, they reckon 2 million bits of information every second coming in through all of our senses. Uh, things we see, hear, feel, touch, taste, smell, all our other senses as well. Actually, here's, here's one. How many senses do you think we have? People will usually say five senses. Sometimes they say, oh, we've got a sixth sense. Apparently, there's no definitive figure, but it's it's reckoned to be between about 12 and 20 senses. Things like sense of balance, we can sense temperature, sometimes some people can sense electric current. Um, 
things like when your bladder's full, we've got that sense. You've got, if you put your arm behind your back so you can't see it and you move it around, you still know exactly where your hand is, proprioception. We've got all of these senses. And we're getting all this information is coming in, 2 million bits of information every second. Our poor old conscious mind can't cope with that amount of information. We're, we're going to complete overload. We can only handle seven, seven or so chunks of information at any one time. So what happens is we've got the part of our brain which filters all this information that's coming through. Is this information, is it relevant to us at the moment? If, if it's yes, it gets passed up. If not, it gets rejected. And what's relevant will change on a, a moment to moment basis. And we've got lots of these, these filters, um, things like our beliefs, our attitudes, our values. Those are things which are important to us. Um, also filtered through stuff like time. So something that happens now would have a higher importance than something that, that happened a while ago. Same, same with uh, distance. Something that happens right close to us would have a higher chance of being relevant than something that was happening a million miles away. Uh, we get all of these different filters that, that filter all of this information. And they, they, what they're still sorting for and filtering for changes on a, a moment to moment basis, depending upon what's important to us at that, that particular time. But they filter all of this stuff down so that we only get a tiny bit of what's going on, get a tiny bit of that. And that's what's relevant to us at that point. And that's where our, our RAS kicks in. Uh, that's part of the, 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 fil the whole filtering process. Is this thing important to us? If it is, we'll pass it on up the chain. If it's not, then we won't. And part of what decides what's important to us is what, what, what are we looking for? It's like your search engine. If you, if you type, um, uh, famine into your search engine, you'll find millions of articles all, all about famine. And you might conclude, Oh my word, there's no food for anyone in the world. That, that, this is awful. On the other hand, if you were to type in uh, wealth into your search engine, you'll find millions of, of, of results on wealth. It's whatever you're searching for. And that's what our RAS does. It, it helps for, um, helps formulate what we're, what we're searching for. So that filters out things that aren't, that aren't relevant. You, you gave a great example with the car there. That, that's, that's always a go-to example with, with, with the RAS. You buy it and buy a car. All of a sudden, everyone seems to have that exact make, model, and color. Obviously, they didn't all suddenly buy it, but that yesterday, that make, model, and color of car was irrelevant to you. Today, it's very relevant because it could be your car, and it's how you recognize your car. So you will see any car that fits that make, model, and color. So you're like, is that mine? Oh, no, it's not mine. But suddenly, you become aware of, 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 of uh, all of them. And it's the same with your RAS. If you're always thinking about negative stuff and how bad everything is and how everything you do goes wrong and that's what you're going to see you're going to see lots of proof that that, uh, that what you do goes wrong you're going to be looking for examples of when you fail you're going to be looking for examples of when you attempt something and it went went horribly wrong however if you have a more positive mindset and you're looking for success including your own successes you're looking for you believe that, yeah, you know what? Yeah, sometimes I have failures, but you know, I have a lot of successes as well. I do achieve things. I'm good at what I do. I get great success. When you truly believe that, 
your whole rant is going to be filtering for examples to back up this, this belief that you succeed. And the reality is, throughout our day, we have things that go wrong, we have things that go right, because we're human. We can't be perfect. We can't get everything right all the time. Some things go wrong, some things go right. Whichever you happen to believe is what you, uh, is your dominant one, when it, uh, that's what your RAS will, will filter for. So if you have this belief that oh, everything I touch turns to, turns to dust, everything I do, sooner or later it fails, you'll be constantly seeing examples of when you when you when you failed at things your your memory will be like, yeah here's another load of memories where we failed oh we suck we're rubbish at this if you believe hey you know what i'm good i'm successful i'm i'm great at helping people uh make a comeback i'm great at helping people i'm great at running my business whatever your mind will be your rouse will be keyed to that and it will be bringing examples of hey look Here's, here's where we, where we helped Fred. Here's a uh, record month that, that, that we've, we've had in the business and things are getting better day to day. Oh yeah, I am good at this. So it, it's what we, what we focus on, uh, tends to be what we will see more of. And that will then tend to guide, um, guide what we get because we see what, whatever we're looking for, we see more of that. That then informs our thoughts. And as we said earlier on, what we think about, triggers are actions so if we think about everything i do is rubbish obviously we're going to go in a downward spiral if we think hey, you know what? i'm good at i'm good at this I'm, I'm i'm a successful i'm a successful entrepreneur we're going to see examples of success we're going to see more opportunities we're going to see, see more um opportunities where we could do something and that could lead to success and give us a great result and we're then going to jump for it so right. now you know last couple questions um so give us three actionable steps that we can take today and within the, in the in the coming future to switch our our uh, our minds to success instead of failure. Right. First thing I would first thing I would suggest is uh, get yourself a pen and a notepad and last have it beside your bed last thing at night just before you switch the light off and go to sleep look back over your day and write down five things which went well five thing five uh examples from the day where you were successful and they don't have to be massive they don't have to be a uh, secured million dollar deal it it could be hey i cooked a blooming good dinner tonight the family loved it five examples of when you were you did things successfully that every day for a month Make them different each day. So don't write down the same five things every day. Come up with, with five different things each, each day over the course of the month. Because what's happening there is you are, you're starting to force yourself to look for examples of success that you create. We're starting to train our RAS to look for successful things. Because after a few days, our mind is, is going to be going, oh, I've got to be thinking of five good things. For that. Hey, here's something that was successful. We'll remember that one. So we're starting to train our mind to look for success. Do this over your 30 days. Your mind is going to be much more receptive to looking for successful things. You'll see some things that went wrong. Yeah, that's right. But with this worked, this worked, this worked. So we're, we're starting to train that RAS. Also, what it can do is if you're having a really bad day, you can flip through your notebook and go, actually, you know what? Yeah, 
okay, I had a bad day today, but look, it's, it's 50, 50 things I've, I've done over the past couple of weeks. That would be the, 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 the biggest the biggest thing. Um, another one that we can, we can do, this is a bit more self-reflection, is ask yourself, where do I want to be? Where do I want to be? And write down, write it down in as much detail, write all the figures. I mean, it could be your business. Where do I want my business to be? What turnover do I want? What profit do I want to have? Write all of this down. Then write down your current situation, your current figures. So you've now got where you want to be. You've got where you are. Look at what the gap is. What's the, the difference between where you want to be and where you are? Then ask yourself, what do I need to do to get from where I am to where I want to be? Chances are, well, sometimes you go, oh, actually, yes, I see now. So sometimes even just doing this can trigger us to go, oh, I need to do this, this, and this. Often people will go, well, I don't know. I don't know what I need to do because if I knew I'd be doing it, I don't know. Cool. So you don't know what you need to do. How could you find out? what you need to do. So this is now getting us to figure out what we need to do to get to where we want to go. And if you're still at that point thinking, well, I don't know, then you're uh, getting close to uncovering a fear that's really holding you back. And the reason I say it's a fear is we know exactly how to find out what we need to do. We ask, we ask our peers, we check on the internet, we read, read books. We know exactly how to find out what we need to do. So the question to ask yourself, if you're pretending that you don't know what you need to do to find out what you need to do, if you're pretending not to know, ask yourself this, what am I scared of? Why is it that I'm pretending that I don't know how to find out what I need to know? I can sometimes get quite uncomfortable thinking that because, um, we don't like to think that we're scared of things. Particularly the more successful we are, the less we like to think that, that things are holding us back. And also it could be, you could be about to uncover a, 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 deep, a deep-seated fear that you've got. But as you know, what, what, and a good way to ask is, what, what am I pretending not to know in order to think that I can't figure this out? So now the what books I- that you have, do they cover these things that we're talking about? Uh, in various ways, yes. Yeah. I mean, I've got got five books out at the moment. Four of them are books that uh, where I, I brought various experts together, coached them all through writing a chapter. They're, they're about six to 10,000 word chapters. So they're about the length of a keynote each. And we themed the book. The, 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 the four books in that series are all in the Winning in Life and Work series. And we got ones about um, new beginnings, all about how to start over again. We got uh, one called Success Secrets, which was various people, including an Olympian, sharing their secrets of how to create success. We got one called Dare to Dream, which is how people went about actually daring to have big dreams and then then, then make them make them come true. Uh, so those those each each of the each of the the stories in there are inspirational in their own right. And when you read several different ones, they kind of all cross pollinate, just like the, the Mastermind Group cross cross pollinates. And then the last, the fifth book I did, the last one, it's a solo book called The Masks We Wear, which is all about the metaphorical masks that we wear in life. Um, we wear them because 
we kind of want to hide away so that people won't mis dislike us. Basically, it's, it's why we wear them, because we don't want people to dislike us. But by hiding behind these masks, we stop people who, who really do like what we stand for. We stop them ever getting a chance to connect with us. So it explores where all these masks come from and how we can go about removing those masks. And in some cases, um, holding ourselves back in business is part of the mask. We don't want to be seen as one of those one of those successful people who's, who's uh, got ideas above their station. Where do, who do they think they are? They've lost touch with their roots. So we hide behind these masks. And we're not really very successful at creating a business because we don't want to be perceived as, as one of these people who's, who's dared to stand up and be successful. Once we remove these masks so that we're able to say, you know, you know what, this is me. This is who I am. If you don't like it, eh, no problem. You hang out with the people you do like. I'm going to hang out with the people who, who like me because this is me. It's who I am. And I'm just going to be, you just be you. And it's, it's all cool. So then um, we know you got, you, we talked earlier, you got a new book about to drop in March. So mm -hmm. how do we find you? How do we find your books? How can we get in touch with you and support your mission? Thank you so much for asking. Um, good way to do uh, to find out more about any of the, any of these aspects is go to my website, which is keithblakemorenoble.com. No spaces, no hyphens, just keithblakemorenoble.com. And you'll, you'll find the books, you'll find uh, stuff that I do, you find blogs, you find the podcast and everything there. Or search on the socials or search on your favorite search engine for Keith Blakemore Noble. I am blessed with uh, having a unique name. Nobody else on the planet has got this name. So whatever you find on there, good or bad, it's me. <laughs> I love it, brother. Brother, I'm so grateful that we finally got that. I know we, we played, we played uh, email tag for a while. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but I'm so grateful that we finally got to hang out. And I truly appreciate everything you're doing. And I think you're creating a great service. And I can't wait for that new book to drop. Because, you know, I'm the kind of guy, I want to know why certain things are. I want to know, you know, why, how people are selling me. I want to know how I get sold. And I think part of the, your new book is talking about that a little bit, right? Yeah, it's, it's called Anti-Manipulation. And it's um, sharing the tools, tricks and techniques, which the unscrupulous used to manipulate us into buying their products, their services, their courses, or their ideas. So yeah, it's, it's all about how they manipulate us into buying. So um, then if you're a guy like me, I'm always thinking, well, if I buy that book, you know, because like if you buy a book like by Mr. Richard, uh, Robert Cialdini, and you know, talking about influence, or if they mm -hmm. buy your new book coming up, if they really wanted to, they could just reverse engineer everything that you're talking about and become, <laughs> right? become master manipulators. <laughs> you know, when I started, when I said about uh, first writing the book, that, that was a concern. I, was like, I don't want to write the handbook, how to become a manipulator. Um, the, the way the book, uh, with, with a lot of the tools that they, that they use to, to, to manipulate us, um, knowing how to recognize the tool being used is different from being able to master how to use the tool, if that makes sense. So it's, um, 
yeah, you could, I suppose, it could get the book, learn all these things, and then go out and research how to to uh, to implement these tools. But you know what? If they're going to do that, they're going to do that anyway. However, by having the book out there in the hands of many people as possible, we can all read it. We can all see how these uh, 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 tricks, tools, and techniques work. We can learn how to spot them so that we can be aware that they're being used so that we can make sure when we buy something, we buy it because we want to and not because they want us to buy it. So even if somebody did take the book and use that as a springboard to go and learn how to, to manipulate, they're going to have to go through a lot to learn it. Meanwhile, well, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to be the first person <laughs> to purchase it. And I want to be the first person to buy it, hopefully get an auto, autograph copy. But oh, uh, yes. so I just want to say thank you. I want to thank our sponsors. Guys, remember, if you if you love reading like I do, pick out my book, A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. Um, if you're interested in reading, learn a little bit about me, but also help me save some lives. If you want to start your own start your own show, check out StreamYard. They're going to throw you some free cash just for checking it out. Um, and guys, like my T-shirt says, today I decide. Um, those are the three most important words in the English language because you get to decide whether to be a victor or a victim. So today is your day to be a victor and not the victim. Brother Keith, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much. And I'm blessed to finally call you friend. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to when you come over to this side of the pond. We're going to go and catch that dinner. I'm all about it, brother. All right, guys. Remember, uh, vertical momentum, the only way to go is butt up. And I will catch you guys tomorrow. Love you guys. Keith, have an amazing day. You too, Richard. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.